Welcome to the Ross Project, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkoff, and I'm your host. Joining me uh, today is Dean Shapiro. Did I pronounce that correctly? You nailed it. Awesome, man. So Dean is a privacy expert and founder of Loginhood, a software for e-commerce marketers to manage privacy requirements across their campaigns. Okay, that's a big one. Prior to logging hood, uh, Dean built an advertising data startup from concept to exit and led the data monetization teams at Rodell and Hearst magazines. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Ivan. Pleasure, man. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start off by, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about Dean a little bit. Like, how did this all begin? Like, you know, were you always into, into tech and software and e-commerce? Let's go back, you know, 20 plus years and let, let's let's hear about what young Dean was doing back then. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've always just been gravitating towards technology um, and, and entrepreneurship in general. Like I've always been kind of like that, you know, that hustler uh, mm-hmm. starting businesses here and there from a young age, all the way to like college. College is when I really started getting into where I was running like uh, like a media company, a record label, uh, and like a, a music festival company all at the same time. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, I really go to classes, you could tell. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. hustling on the side. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, so always had a real entrepreneurial flair. And then my professional life kind of got jumped right into the data world, like right away in this mm-hmm. like, ad tech, martech world. And I read around way, found it fascinating. Uh, Cause we're talking, I mean, like <laughs> this is, you know, years ago now, but at the time it was cutting edge. It's like, oh, you can reach in, in marketing and advertising any consumer on the entire internet in real time based on who they are. The concept is, was fascinating. So I built a, a software company in that space, basically um, a like creative studio, kind of like, I think of like a Photoshop type uh, yeah. of software where advertisers can make tons of different variations of ads and then deliver them to the right user. So Ivan would see a different ad than, than Dean would see. And now it sounds pretty you know, straightforward, but at the time it was pretty cutting edge. Um, and then after that, I started working in, in the media space, Rodale, which produced you know, magazines like Men's Health Magazine, Women's Health, Runner's World. Uh, and then that was acquired by Hearst Magazines, which is, you know, Hearst is like a, for, you know, for those who don't know, a, a, like a media old school powerhouse. They make mm-hmm. tons of newspapers, tons of magazines like Cosmo, L, Harper's Bazaar, uh, Esquire, a uh, very, you know, savvy company. And it was when I was at those two companies, Rodale and Hearst, in between those, when I started seeing this like two trends happening, I guess you could say. One was the amount of, um, the, the comfortableness, like the comfortability level of data tracking was getting a little too insane. It was yeah. getting a little too much. And at the same time is that um, there was starting to become on the other side, like this influx of regulations, both from legal uh, and technology itself. Like, for example, like, you know, th- this was 2018-ish, so GDPR in Europe, uh, that's for those who don't know, like the, the first real modern data privacy law. Um, that was actually a little after Apple made something even more dramatic 
which is elimination of something called third-party cookies, mm-hmm. which is basically how people are tracked over the internet. Apple removed those from its Safari browser as I think like late 2017. So at one side, professionally, I was seeing these companies who would basically pitch how much surveillance they were conducting. Like, hey, we know the same person mm-hmm. across all devices. It's impossible for them to opt out because it's tied to, you know, things that are really difficult for the average consumer to clear or even, or even understand exist. And then some people are like, yeah, we're getting, you know, like credit card information on them. So we know what they're purchasing, we're getting healthcare records on them. So we know what like actual diseases they suffer from. I was like, this is changing from being about showing the right person, the right ad to mm-hmm. a level of creepiness that no average consumer would ever be comfortable with. Uh, but, but at the same time as that, then we also, like I just said, you're starting to see responses to that. So what me and my co-founder started brainstorming and thinking through is how can we push forth an ecosystem uh, where consumers are in better control of their data and the beneficiary of their data in, in a way that they hadn't been previously. And that's kind of where, you know, the idea for Loganhub is born. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're um, so the evolution of, you know, data and tracking and and privacy, you know, has come a long way. In fact, I think most consumers, there's a lot of consumers who are worried about their privacy, obviously. But, you know, when you think about it, uh, going back to the days before really the Internet, honestly, is most people don't even remember that they actually consent to their data being sold to third parties because there's that that form like when you move especially right and you get a new address and stuff and then they ask you and then in that fine print says are you okay with receiving mailers and stuff and you know uh third party information most people are like yeah sure you know when i get magazines and stuff and then you don't realize <laughs> that i should really say no to that but you know what the modern version of the internet is just that you know it's always exactly. in the fine print and there's technologies that run in the background that a lot of consumers are unaware of you know i know i know we were talking about this before we hit we had record that uh, DuckDuckGo has this promotion going on right now about take back your privacy but a lot of people are like i think they're they're kind of uh, oblivious to, to it and naive because they just don't really know what happens in the background but it's a good promotional campaign if you ask me you know to boost your exposure and, you know, get some traffic, you know, similar to what exactly. Ask Jeeves did, you know, in the earlier days is that to make it like an a la carte one stop, you know, like a media centric type, but like all the information that we're collecting from you also, you know, people just were incoherent to that. And I think we've gotten to a point to where with the rise of social media specifically, it's like people have started to realize like how much these social networks are actually using your personal data for to be able to well for advertisers for one and also for their own personal gain to understand you know the habits like you know um what people are doing like you were talking about medical records you know like where you live or what your buying habits are heck even your credit card information you know so like yeah i know most people a lot of people are worried about like privacy on the internet but if you ask me it's like if you're on the internet you got no privacy you're probably being tracked somewhere by something, you know. Um, so, you know, so you you took interest, uh, you know, into this. And one of the things that I know you mentioned is that you were an expert in FB limited data use. I'm curious to know, what is that? Yeah, man. 
So actually, well, one uh, interesting comment I wanted to mention of what you just said first mm -hmm. is um, how, you know, these social media companies like Facebook are doing so much surveillance. What's very interesting, and this will tie nicely in, is, um, you know, if you're on Instagram, they've gotten so damn good at showing you something that you want to buy, right? Like everyone's experienced that. Everyone's like, man, they are really, are they listening to me? Yep. They're freakishly good at targeting. What's very interesting that I don't think many people realize, and this kind of plays into the, this whole privacy trend going on and its impact, um, but Facebook's ability to show you, or Facebook and then and thus Instagram, their ability to show you products and ads that are just so perfectly tailored to you, it's partially from what you do, you know, and the data collected about you that you, that you, you know, about the things you like and the things you do in Instagram and Facebook, but where even more of it's coming from mm -hmm. is Facebook now essentially has their pixel, like their ability to track data on almost every single e-commerce site on the internet. The reason being is yeah. they all use Facebook ads. So they want, you know, um, like a pixel there to help track performance and things. But with that, nearly every single e-commerce store has given Facebook the ability to collect data on their page. So when yeah. I go and purchase, you know, a pair of Allbirds, maybe Facebook's there collecting that data. Now they know Dean Shapiro has just bought a pair of Allbirds. Maybe the next time I go on Instagram, they'll send me a, an ad for like, Bombas or like a new cool trendy sock company. It's like he bought yeah. shoes and he needs socks next. Like their their surveillance is so mag it's so massive, and it basically covers any shopping experience you'll have online now. That's where their power comes from. It's not just what you do on Facebook.com. It's that the fact that they are all over the internet on almost every yeah. site you go on now. It's crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so sort of that type of stuff is the underlying cause for this Facebook limited data use thing, which is a massive problem that for whatever reason, no one's really spending nearly enough time talking about. Mm -hmm. and what Facebook limited data use is, is it's Facebook's own privacy requirement. So earlier this year in July, July, 2020, um, the, a new privacy law in the US started, the California Consumer Privacy Act. The first like real US data privacy oriented law. Um, and it, without getting too, you know, in the weeds on it, basically comes down to giving, you know, California residents more control over their data when they go to your website. In response to that law, Facebook essentially said, we can never be compliant. We as in, we as in Facebook, we are too massive. There's too many advertisers on our platform. There's no yeah. way for us to ever govern what's, what data is coming in. So since we can't be compliant, you, the advertiser, the business needs to guarantee compliance and you need to pass Facebook these new privacy signals called limited data use uh, that inform Facebook whether someone is opted in or opted out to receiving targeted advertising. So essentially Facebook's passed the buck of liability to mm -hmm. you know, the advertiser and the businesses that want to use its platform. Now the businesses have to implement these uh, new forms of opting out and privacy control for their site visitors, or they can't, or more or less, um, huge chunks of users will basically disappear from campaigns. Because if you don't do this correctly, Facebook's saying, we don't really want to get in trouble. So we're just going to uh, automatically remove anyone from California from your advertising campaigns because we don't want to get sued. Right. Right. No, that's, that's a, that's a really good point. And um 
Actually, I was I was looking this up because I couldn't remember the name of it, but um, I recently watched The Social Dilemma, which is That's something great. That, That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And um, I know you were talking about something that um, when, when you were saying that uh, the Facebook algorithm has gotten so good to depicting your patterns as a human being. You know, that's both good and bad. It just depends on, you know, uh, from which angle you're looking at this, right? Because when you look at it is, you know, social is about community and engagement, you know, friends, family, you know, products, services, right? And if they can study your patterns and your behaviors, they know how to serve, you know, better content to you. That's good. Because, you know, holidays come around and like you're looking for stuff. It's like, oh, okay, I'll buy this. You know, this is cool. Okay, I've bought that. Okay. But at the same time, you know, it's like how much are they, how much information are they really getting out of me? Yeah. And how is, is it really being used for good intent? Because there's a lot of people that are really questioning that right now, you know, exactly. the intentions behind it. And I personally am one of those people that like maybe I'm a little ignorant to it because I'm like, okay, well, they're, they're getting data on me anyway. You know, like, yeah, there's control and I can control it only so much. Right. But at the end of the day, is just I'd be actually restricting myself. Yeah, is what I'd be exactly. doing. So it's kind of like, damn, if you do, damn, if you don't. And it's almost like a catch 22 situation, the way it's designed. So um, let's 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 talk. Let's talk about that. You know, let's talk about um, how marketing and social media you know, is really evolving. How are these, you know, new privacy rules affecting really you know, digital marketing, social media, social media channels. Um, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on this and, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, at Logon specifically, you know, to, um, you know, help consumers, I guess, kind of get their privacy back. Right. Yeah. In a yeah. sense. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll start with that point because I think maybe purposefully, maybe not, maybe not, I don't know, but people, not people, but uh, companies and lawmakers, I feel like they're really overcomplicating privacy. Uh, it's, it goes back to, you just made a great point. Like, and here's two scenarios, right? Like I am someone who values my privacy dramatically. I use, you know, Brave, the Brave browser as often as possible. When I'm on okay. Chrome, I, I use ad blockers and data blockers. Like I don't want to be surveyed maybe because I know too much about what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, so I'm okay with seeing like generic ads, like whatever. I don't want my data used as often as, as often as it cannot be used. I'd rather not be used. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the spectrum, my girlfriend, it loves getting targeted ads and she gets ads that are really are very relevant to her. Right. She buys things via Instagram ads all the time. She's like, Oh wow, this is perfect. This, this you know, oh, this new startup, maybe I didn't know about, you know, it's, it's aligned to my interest. Mm -hmm. That's a scenario where it's good. She's comfortable sharing more data. That having that optionality is really, in my opinion, what it should come down to. Like, if you don't want to share data, make it very make it easy and accessible mm -hmm. for people to opt out, share less, remove cookies, delete records, uh, store to their email or other identifiers. Give them the an easy ability to do so. Most people probably don't care. Most people are probably like, yeah, fine, I'm, I'm cool with sharing my data when needed, but right. make it very easy for people to remove themselves from that process. And that's what some of the software and infrastructure that we provide are. So what we do today as a company is we provide privacy management software. And what it's able to do is right now per any geography's regulation, 
allow those site visitors, allow your customers or users to control and manage their data. And where we take it a step further to help businesses is we don't just manage the legal aspects of giving someone a mechanism to opt out per you know, California Consumer Privacy Act guidelines, we'll manage that, but we'll also take that information and automate it into all the platforms you use. So if you're an e-commerce yeah. store, you advertise on you know, Facebook, maybe you use some Google ads, maybe you use Snapchat. If someone does opt out through the software we provide an e-commerce store, we'll also go in and update your Facebook campaigns to make sure that user has been removed from your Facebook campaigns. We'll also go in and remove them from Snapchat to make sure they're not gonna be targeted within Snapchat. So we facilitate all of this opt-out for users who choose to do so within all of the different touch points where you, you, know, you have the ability to use a customer's data. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention, and I think that this has been <clears throat> uh, evident, uh, you know, for a very long time in the marketing space is I think, you know, a, a lot, a lot of comp so privacy was taken for granted because they knew that if there was control over privacy, it would impact revenue. Um, and I, and I think it is, even though you still ha can have some control over your privacy and how much information is being shared by you, nonetheless, they're still uh, they're still serving ads to you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's taken away from market potential, I guess, for a lot of companies, um, because let's face it, you know, this has been really, I think, since the beginning of the Internet, really. And even before the Internet, it's like, you know, uh, Yes, you have to consent, but they try to get you to consent in a way to where it's almost inconspicuous, yeah. you know, to where like you just don't catch it, you know, because if you're cognizant about it, you're going to say, oh, hell no. You know, <laughs> at least most people would that are concerned. Well, in modern day, a lot of people would probably say, hell no, if it was evident and if it was very, very clear. But that's why they make it so inconspicuous, because they know that then they can't, you know, serve you with information yeah. and ads and, you know, sending you stuff. I mean, the reason you even receive the mailers in the mail is because you consented somewhere. Yeah, also, exactly. and that's really where all this started, like snail mail. That's really where all this starts. So they took that traditional concept and basically digitized it into the modern internet and how social media networks and how really marketing is done. But even then, when you try to control it, it's like, eh, we'll still send you ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't want any ads? No, you don't have the option. You're still getting ads, you Dude, know? That's so true, man. I mean, you nailed it. That's something, I love that you bring that up because that's something I don't think many people realize where like the, yeah. the, uh, the beginning of data, sell selling your data started with what you just described, like selling mailing lists and stuff like that for magazine ads yep. and things like that. You get, a, you get a magazine, also next thing you know, you're getting all these other flyers. From companies you know you never you're like how they get my address that's how they're selling your mailing list exactly it's, it's, it's kind of scary because like it's like that um you know it's like that generational both you know age group and just like uh you know like digital interaction like that generational shift yeah. of things getting more comfortable and you get you more used so so like what i mean by that is like people got used marketers whoever else to selling mailing lists right it worked well that became the default experience. So next thing you know, when things get more digitalized, you start selling, you know, yeah. site data and things like that. It's like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to do that. The next thing you know, you start selling like all these real-time attributes you can stitch together about someone anywhere they are. 
oh, and then all of a sudden you start bringing on other data from like their credit card information or like their health records, like we described. Like it's just, you get too comfortable with something. It's like the, um, I think it's called, if this isn't like psychology, I believe, I think it's called the boiling frog theory, where mm. like if back in the 90s, if you were to go and tell anyone, hey, you're going to be surveyed 24-7 across all your devices by, you know, billion dollar, you know, enterprises, they'd be like, hell no. But you start getting more comfortable with getting a mailer that you're not used to. And then it just expedites and grows and grows from there. And that that's why I care so much about where privacy is headed now. Uh, yeah. because it, if we don't do something about it, it you, you get too comfortable and then next thing you know even more dramatic surveillance tactics will continue because you just you're fine giving up all your information anyway it's used to it what's next yeah i mean that's a that's a really good good point too is control i think a lot of consumers want to have more control and a lot more consumers are actually starting to become more cognizant about control and what it means and how it impacts them so i think it's education you know, for me is I'm someone who's been a, a victim of identity theft five times that I'm aware of, wow. you know, and he um, has done a lot of crazy things, you know, has flipped my credit report upside down, you know, he um, hasn't done anything like, you know, drain my bank account or anything like that. He hasn't gotten that excessive. But um, I guess my approach to that is just that after going through something like that, and a couple of them were actually due to like major insurance providers that had data breaches, basically, and personal information was leaked uh, mm -hmm. out there. And then, you know, you go out on like, you know, Experian or something or TransUnion and you say, oh, yeah, you know, your info has been sold on the dark web, you know, and but they don't tell you by, by who. And then, you know, you get uh, a letter in the mail that says, uh, I think it was Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, years ago was one of the first ones that I was a victim of. Uh, so someone had infiltrated their database, basically stole personal information about 1.5 million customers, I believe, wow. which is like Jesus. a huge number, you know. And uh, so you get this letter in the sale mail that says, well, we are truly sorry that your personal information was was leaked, you know, and we'd like to offer you complimentary credit monitoring. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> literally, like, that's my response is like, did you literally send me that and expect me to read it and think that there's <laughs> some logic in this? And so after I mean, I went through a couple of these, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield was one. Um, I'm trying to remember another one. And then there were a couple other companies. And so I guess yeah. The way I see it is like, you know, if the inevitable is meant to happen, it's probably going to happen. And but I think that having control is important. And if you have more control to where, you know, you can sort of like turn off certain areas, like you said, from an ad standpoint. And I think it's also the generational shift. You made a very yeah. valid point. And I believe in that. I know the, the younger generation, you know, I'm technically, I guess, an upper end millennial at this point. Uh, but but some of the younger generation now what is it? Gen Z, I think is the next one. Mm -hmm. Gen Z, you know, they're really concerned about privacy. They're really concerned about, you know, uh, because the way they, they grew up, I think, you yeah. know, it's just a whole different generation. And um, I think even my own kids are probably going to be concerned with that, even though they're, you know, one's four, one's two, and they're both hooked to YouTube kids. <laughs> That's another yeah. thing, believe it or not, is that watching YouTube kids, you don't think they study their patterns in the videos they watch? Hell yeah, they do. Oh, 100%. That's literally Absolutely. the entire algo behind it. So, like, it's almost inevitable when you think about it. I mean, you're on the internet, you're being tracked from point A to point B to point C to point D, all the way down to point Z, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, you know? And even um, 
when you think about it, it's even with, with hardware, you're yeah. still sending anonymous data. Yeah. You know, that's being used. So like, I think privacy is a really, really big issue. And I think the education behind it is something that more and more consumers need to have because I, I think it's probably going to get even worse because so yeah. companies, as you know, constantly are striving to figure out how can I infiltrate and penetrate to capture the attention of consumers? Cause that's really the struggle right now. I know yeah. when I talk digital with clients and like Facebook ads or Google ads or, you know, Instagram ads, Twitter ads, you know, TikTok ads, you know, it's like, it's like, how, how can you reach them on mobile? But even then, you know, I think maybe the next step, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is this, you know, uh, what do you think and how, you know, what do you see coming down the pike when it comes to privacy control on mobile? Because mobile is really the platform where everybody's at. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I know, I know it, that, that, you know, that's a fascinating one because there's kind of like this turf <laughs> there's this turf war kind of brewing it, the reason i'm laughing is you said something funny mm-hmm. there like you know like hardware um it, you know you're being surveyed there too yep. one of the companies we joke about all the time at login hood is apple because they coined themselves as like the privacy company and we're <laughs> like no like you literally got caught having siri constantly monitoring conversations you just don't license that data to other companies but you use it internally for your own yeah uh, you know your own development all the time Right. Uh, but but so so Apple's doing something really interesting and um, both Android and iOS, you know, Apple phones and, and other operators, they have or historically have had this thing on your phone. No one knows about this one either. Right? Like no one, no normal consumer knows about this. But there's this little device identifier on your phone. It's literally called like an advertising ID, basically. Yeah. Uh, specifically, it's called IDFA for um uh for for apple and uh maid for um for android phones and it it was like it's like this identifier that lets advertisers know this is your specific phone this is dean's phone kind of like a cookie for the browser like cookies are browsers these mobile device identifiers are how you could be recognized across your different apps so if you know walmart or someone wanted to target me yeah when i'm on you know whatever the different apps i use they can know it's me uh, the ability to track you across your, your phone, basically. Apple, a new iOS update, is essentially mostly getting rid of that. Um, or they're, they're kind of uh, an influx right now. They kind of they initially said they're going to get rid of it and they walk it back a little bit. But it seems like they're going to either get rid of it or make it very apparent and very like opt-in. So if you want to use it or you go into an app that has or wants to use your like unique identifier, uh, it's going to say like, hey, this phone or this app, I mean, wants to collect all these different categories of information about you. And you have to literally grant the permission to do so. So that I think Apple, because Apple is no advertising business. They don't care about advertisers. They care about themselves, but not advertisers. So they're not afraid to really throw a wrench in mobile marketing. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how yeah. this battle between the other tech platforms that do care about advertising, like Google, uh, balance out Apple's, you know, very like laissez-faire attitude towards um, towards data tracking. Like they don't care. Like yeah, whatever. We'll get rid of your entire infrastructure. That's what Apple's like opinion is. They don't they don't really care. So um, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the the tech companies yeah. kind of battle it out. Well, I mean, you know, since we're speaking about privacy, obviously, is this. 
um, whether it's mobile, whether it's desktop, um, yeah. whether it's tablet, even because these are essentially the three platforms that the consumers engage on, whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, even watching your Roku, you know, <laughs> through, uh, through your smartphone, like that's ultimately where consumers are. But, uh, you know, upwards to probably 80% of consumers are now on mobile. And yeah. so uh, simply because of accessibility and convenience, you know, I mean, holding your smartphone in your hand, you can you can do almost everything I I can do on this MacBook Pro that I have that we're, you know, talking through right now, um, even video, you know, on it. But the thing of it is, if, uh, it seems like the, the privacy control is so limited or practically non-existent on mobile, it makes you wonder, like, has that been done intentionally by like Apple and, you know, by Google specifically, because those are so obviously Android and, and, and Apple. So iOS and Android to be more specific, right. For the platforms or, um, you know, has it been done? Is it unintentional or is it intentional? And how many laws is it breaking when it comes to <laughs> privacy laws? Because there's a shit ton that I can think of, you know, like, uh, you know, when you open up an app, right. So what, what info is that app, co- you know, collecting or, you know, uh, is your phone listening to you? You know, like that was the whole controversy, like here not too long ago to where a lot of people are like, you know, and, and honestly, there's been um, I'll tell you something really, really freakish that I can't explain that just happened actually last three days ago. So um, I was in the car with a client. I told you this. I was on a business trip and uh, uh, we were talking about um, a couple of our brothers um, in, in, the, in Arte, which is an organization led by Andy Frazella and Ed Milet. And um, uh, we're talking about one particular guy. We're just having a verbal conversation in the car. OK, just to paint the picture. And he was he was talking about uh, like some cookie um, business that one of these guys owns. Um, you know, he's been a third time millionaire and he's lost it twice in a row. So we're just having a discussion about it. And he said the name of this cookie place. He said he owns a bunch of these cookie places. Dude, I shit you not. I open Instagram the next morning and I see an ad from that company on Instagram. Crazy. Insane. I'm like, (laughs) what the like, mind you, I, I took zero action on my phone. Zero action. It's called Crumble Cookies, I think is the name of it. And yeah, I'm going to get an ad too. <laughs> they're like really popular. And one of these guys like owns it, right? That's that's an art that's an arte. And but we were having a verbal conversation about this. Mind you, like my phone was like in a cup holder and we we're just talking as he was driving down the freeway, you know, and like here's what's fascinating about that. It's like, OK, how did Instagram know to serve me an ad for Crumble Cookies? Yeah, exactly. Like, like it makes I, uh, you wonder. I absolutely think they're they're listening to you. I don't have information on how specifically. My thought is when you take like you know like uh, an Instagram story or something, you give them microphone access. So my yeah. thought is that's passively happening, even when you're not on Instagram. So they're able to hear some things you say and use that to deliver ads. I mean, it's getting freakish. Like everyone says that, right? That's the the old joke. Like, is my phone Here's- listening to me? Here's a wild theory, and this is probably very true, but it seems very theoretical. I agree with you. The microphone is on, and there's a voice transcription service that uses AI 
that depicts keywords, very much like an algorithm. So over the, the last 26 years, the majority of what I've done is search, basically, is, is my background. And so like search marketing and SEO and understanding how algorithms work, basically. And I, I, I would almost wholeheartedly believe that that's what's happening here is literally is even though like my phone right now is, well, nothing's happening. It's on silent because I don't want it beeping, but I, I'm almost certain that someone is eavesdropping right now through my phone and everything that's going on in the, in this conversation. And maybe even if it's off, I, I would still even say that it's probably broadcasting a, a signal to where it's, it's, it's looking at voice recognition, which we know it's nothing new. I mean, I can go and do voice recognition on Google, Google Docs, and I do it all the time when I'm like, you know, writing a doc, but I don't actually want to write it. <laughs> I want to talk it out because mm-hmm. I'm just too fucking lazy to do that. And I talk <laughs> it out. But think about this is obviously voice recognition, you know, exists. Uh, AI exists, you know, uh, and what if all these technologies weren't new? But like social platforms, like after I watched the Social Dilemma movie, like this is where a lot of this really started coming in perspective. And I'm like, it might not be considered spying, but it's definitely a data breach. It's a privacy breach for sure, because it's a privacy breach because you're not giving consent. Yeah. And you have to give consent because it's it's done unwillingly against your will. You're not given approval to eavesdrop on my conversation. How did you know about crumble cookies? I didn't do anything on my phone. I didn't exactly. and with online. As you know, traditionally, everything was based on action, right? You, you got to tap something. You got to click something right to track that acti- activity. It's got to be an action, right? So they call it call to action and marketing usually is to get the consumer, mm-hmm. you know, to click on something. That's where that language comes from, basically. Right. So like it makes you wonder, uh, in theory, I know it sounds such a long shot. It really does, but it isn't. I don't think because think about this is Google is now technically the largest um, data company in the world. They've got more servers than anybody uh, out there. Right. So is Apple. So is Facebook. In fact, what's really actually interesting that I'm meant to share with you that I just learned on the business trip that really kind of goes hand in hand with privacy. uh, And this is going to open up a whole new jar of issues, I think is so Facebook is now actually going around the United States and opening up these independent data centers, basically because they want to get more control over the data. And that's the only way to do it by basically uh, building your own cloud. Uh, If you would, the way, you know, the Google cloud basically works, right? But now Facebook is building their own, right? Uh, Now that's good and bad, obviously. The reason I learned this is because one of my other clients actually has technology that provides the... um, uh, um, the the HVAC component of it. So like the heating and cooling because data centers get so hot, you know, it's yeah. just a lot of basically servers and it's got to be very well ventilated also. But what I'm trying to tell you is like, you know, Facebook is building out these private data centers that like yeah. nobody really knows about and don't want them to know about because what they're trying to do is they get a better sense to uh, capture more data on consumers. And that's where, of course, as you know, you know, the Oculus, when that came about and like really Facebook diversifying, you know, than just being a social platform, because they know that if we do diversify, we capture more information on consumers, we can become a much, much bigger entity. That's ultimately yeah. what Google did, literally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Google started out as a search engine, but Google is not a search engine. 
Yeah. You know, Google is a technology company. They are, you know, they they, they own devices, uh, they own robotics companies, um, they do space related stuff. I mean, they do so much shit that unless you've been to the Googleplex, most people are like, okay, I thought Google was just really a search engine, you know, but maybe even a media company, believe it or not. I mean, because they own YouTube, which is the largest acquisition I believe they've had to date. You know, so technically they are a media company, but I think Facebook is kind of following in that. And by capturing more consumer information, by building out these data centers, is that they can capture more information. They can distill the information quicker also and utilize it to their own benefit, basically. And by getting more hyper-focused on like, how can we attract consumers better? And I'll give you an example. So this actually happened over the last couple of weeks that it was kind of surprising, but it wasn't. And a couple of people, the friend requested me on Facebook and one was actually verified on Facebook. So, which by the way, um, speaking of verified people, I know I, I used to think this was theoretical, but I know it's true because several people that are verified have told me this is that. So when you become verified on Facebook, when you become verified on Instagram, when you become uh, verified on Twitter, uh, you actually get kind of dumped into a different bucket, believe it or not. Uh, meaning that you get dumped into the bucket to where it's like, you know, I'm the celebrity. Everybody come to me, basically bucket, right? It's true. I shit, you know, it's true. The engagement in the amount of spam literally goes down to almost zero. <laughs> when you're a regular user user, and that's in part that comes with the blue check mark. Well, anyway, receiving a friend request, of course, you know, I'm that kind of guy that's really engaging and friendly. And like message on messenger. I'm like, hey, thanks, you know, for the friend request. So, you know, how did you find me? You know, like, you know, the do we have some mutual friends or something? And then like a day goes by and the guy's like, No, I didn't send you a friend request. Like, really? Are you sure? Because I mean you had to click add that friend one, yeah. or friend request right and so i think what facebook is doing on the background because he wasn't the only one there's been a few is like they're automating these friend requests on the background by trying to gauge your activity basically and community engagement on the social platform because what they're trying to do is refine the customer base basically yeah. and perhaps you know remove some of these fake accounts and there's a lot of them on Facebook specifically because they had to boost right. their numbers. And to the average consumer, it's like, I no, I didn't send a friend request, you know, but then they usually be like, oh, you know, he's verified. So he sent me a friend request. Oh, I'll be friends with him, even though we have yeah, absolutely exactly. nothing in common, no common interest, no nothing. So like that's where like privacy really comes into play. It's like, yeah. okay, he didn't friend request me. Okay. So, What's the only other alternative? It had to be automated, right? Yeah. Why was it automated, right? Because Facebook is doing something and Facebook is testing something. You know, yeah. I even had uh, several people that had their posts censored. Um, uh, in fact, one of my employees, uh, she p- posted a post about, um, well, COVID, which, you know, COVID is like, you know, so censored right now, especially all over Facebook. And um, uh, her post got removed and she got banned for 30 days. It wasn't anything. She was basically exposing a story where uh, a family member of someone had passed away from COVID and they caught something in it and they literally banned the post and banned her for 30 days and she can't post on, on Facebook. So like 
there's so many unknowns, honestly, yeah. I think that makes you wonder from like a privacy standpoint, like how much does really Facebook or how much does Instagram or how much does Twitter or how much does, you know, Snapchat or of course, TikTok was the huge issue, right? Yeah. Because all well, they're China based and they are and they aren't now because they have, you know, a US HQ and they're technically the number one social platform now. But you know how many privacy issues there is on TikTok? Oh, yeah, so many. We we uh, we run a blog at Logina too. We we've been ongoingly documenting every scandal along the way with TikTok because there are tons of them, <laughs> tons of them. Yeah, I feel like I feel like with social media specifically, a lot of people are uh, sacrificing their integrity uh, for likability or for acceptance or for belonging. And when like, you know, uh, these social platforms are serving ads, you know, on products and services or they're receiving random friend requests, like people almost feel like it's, it's an emotional thing, you know, um, because when you really spark emotion and social networks have really figured this out. And it's also modern marketing, too. When you can spark emotion, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because this is something that, you know, we do we do is emotional engagement. Because that's, in essence, where I think modern marketing and modern social is, is to basically entice people on an emotional level, because that's why they buy. That's why they take action. You know, uh, you know, very simple example is, you know, let's say you see an ad for the latest Air Jordans on Instagram or something, right, is and you're a huge you know, uh, shoe fanatic, right? But you know, these things cost $150, $200. You're still going to buy them because you're a shoe <laughs> fanatic, right? For, forget about how they even found the ad or served it to you. People don't care about that. So like, that's where I feel like integrity is being sacrificed for acceptance and belonging, being part of a community. And I think it's the human factor that people, that's literally the rise of social, yeah, literally the rise of social has been emotional engagement and where these social networks came in. It's like, how can we uh, so you've seen the movie, The Social Dilemma, right? There was one part in there where um, it was like middle of the movie, I think, where um, like the guy was was talking to this girl and then yeah, uh, yeah. the, the three guys <laughs> in the background being the, the, the fa- uh, Facebook, I think it was like, OK, they were starting the triggers, the emotional triggers. Basically. And honestly, it's actually very, very logical when you think about it. And I think that that's what these social platforms and where modern marketing has really come to is on emotional points, emotional triggers. You hit those emotional triggers. People will sacrifice anything as long as it hits them emotionally. Believe it or not. I know it seems people will give away their personal information because of it. Like, here, take my money. Like, uh, I, I saw a post um, uh, yesterday on Facebook and um, I'm an, I'm a car fanatic too. And uh, um, this guy posted um, an article from uh, was a car and driver or something about the new Honda civic. And uh, I'm a huge Audi fanatic, right? So the 2020, uh, uh, 2021 Honda civic actually looks very much like the Audi a three. And I posted a picture of it on there, but his post said, take my money. I'm like, <laughs> You do realize that this is no, there's no technological innovation in this. It's just you are attached to it emotionally. And that's yeah. why you think take my money. But that's what consumers are doing nowadays. And they're sacrificing yeah. their, their private information. They're sacrificing their financials, even for emotions. 
In fact, in the real estate space, this has been done for decades, even centuries. When you think about it, when you buy a house, right, is you're going to buy a house because of the memories you're going to make. Right. Or, you know, the, the experiences they are going to happen. They really hit you with that. So they're like, Definitely. okay, yeah. well, maybe you really have a budget for $250,000 house, but they're going to sell you a $300,000 house. Exactly. The emotion, it drives the decision-making hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And they did a really great job in the, in the social dilemma of like personifying that. I really liked how they had like the people in the laboratory, like, all right, send them something that's going to, well, it, it's actually, yep. that it brings up a point you made earlier. Like, um, in that they're like, all right, send them a, you know, a friend request was crushed. I'll get it back on Facebook. Uh, but they yep. do, uh, Facebook is suffering from engagement rate issues like facebook.com, not Instagram, Instagram kills it still, but facebook.com is. So it's not surprising that you got like a random friend request, uh, yeah. from someone you didn't even know because that, you know, that could be a great way of increasing engagement, right? Getting more friend requests. And then you message the person, like you said, you started a conversation. Uh, so, and they're not afraid to you know, guinea pig, make you a guinea pig. They do that all yeah. the time. They've gotten caught doing that before. So it's not surprising, man. But yeah, exactly. If they could find ways to keep you emotionally tied, uh, like any other industry, that's there's there's success in that. Well, that's really where, you know, when I, that's one of the things that I have personally focused on is the emotional engagement, because, um, you know, that's part of actually the slogan for my business is this that, you know, we help brands and entrepreneurs build their digital footprint using multi-channel marketing, emotional engagement and community cultivation. Because when you think about it, the basis really is just that whether it's social, whether it's, you know, digital or anything, really, even just in life is just that emotion drives everything. Yeah. You know, uh, emotion is like you said, emotion drives decisions, you know, and so I think with privacy specifically is this i think a lot of these social giants are also using that to their advantage because they know that like in the social dilemma you know the the, the guy and the girl right like then you're like okay he likes her okay like serve, serve him up this and like but that's what the algorithms are designed to do and that's why these algorithms are constantly improving like you said they've gotten like instagram has gotten so good so good at like knowing what to serve you at the right time so like right now Black Friday kicked off earlier than ever, of course. And so I, I get it, you know, pe this pandemic and, you know, a lot of retailers and businesses are struggling. So they're, they're trying to make up, you know, and try to get more revenue. So like most people are like, what the hell? Black Friday started early, but there's a lot of people are like, I don't care. I want to get Black Friday ads. You know, I'll go spend some money. Right. Because if you want a new TV or whatever, you know, like I want to buy a new TV. I feel like I'm getting a Black Friday deal. Well, you really are not. It's just they <laughs> figured out how to emotionally engage with you, you know, and you just couldn't say no. Basically. You don't want to miss that deal. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so um, so let me ask you this. You know, I know you talked a little bit about Loginhood and, and the platform. And, you know, do you specifically focus on like the, just the web or, you know, specific, um, you know, e-commerce stores? Or can you maybe talk a little bit about like, you know, how does it work? Or is it more B2B focused, more B2C focused? Yeah, you know, we, we do uh, we, we do a little of everything. We um, we, we have uh, like a Chrome extension that's similar to like a ghost three type product where users can better control their data, better protect their data. Uh, that's free to use. That's, that's to help, you know, consumers manage their own privacy better. Mm -hmm. But our, our main business is the B2B aspect uh, where we manage, like I said before, every single privacy law 
and compatibility with that for every single channel, Snapchat, Facebook, Google, like basically making sure that you as a business owner uh, are using compliantly sourced data within those channels, basically making sure you're up to compliance standards with Facebook's own privacy restrictions. Like I said before, they're saying, hey, we Facebook's saying we don't want to deal with privacy, so you have to, making sure that you know you are privacy compliant for Facebook, for Google, for right. Snapchat. Uh, now we are technically um, sector agnostic, but where this has manifested itself the most, the the sector that's feeling the biggest pain from this is e-commerce because they rely on these channels the most. Right. Uh, so when Facebook says something like, "Hey, if you don't meet uh, CCPA, you know, California's privacy law standards, we're going to remove users in the biggest U.S. state from your campaigns." e-commerce suffers the most when that happens. So that's why we kind of specifically focus uh, on, on these pain points and managing these new privacy requirements for e-commerce companies. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think that's great what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, the Chrome extension, which is something that I'll definitely caption because, you know, that, like I said, I think the younger generation specifically, you know, <laughs> the older generation, like, you know, my parents, <laughs> for instance, it's like, they actually like seeing ads. I mean, I like seeing ads, you know, unless it's like something that's really infiltrating that's like irrelevant. Or I, I think a lot of these social platforms and e commerce sites have even gotten so good at like knowing the timing too. Yeah. It almost seems like, like, you know, the day, the time, you know, how long you were on the site, you know, and you got to imagine like, because I'm a Google Analytics fiend, you know, like I look at a lot of data and study customer journey, obviously that helps depict, you know, trends and patterns. And like, I come to think, I'm like, okay, well, like if all these sites and social networks, you know, can, can capture so much information about me, but I can't do it on Google Analytics, or I can't do it really on any other analytical tool, even on the paid ones, you know, yeah. I can get as close. So like, why is it that these social networks can capture so much about me? But I can't capture, you know, even a third of that information about, let's say, a client's customer base, right? To know more about the customer journey, you know, yeah. is it is it a matter of laws? Is it a matter of compliance? Is it a matter of restrictions? Like it makes you wonder, is it is it something that you know Facebook or Instagram or you know even TikTok has done from a proprietary standpoint that's unavailable? to marketers maybe i don't know well i guess the with the difference is you know something like google analytics they'll give you you great data on your own site or your client's sites Mm -hmm. they're not giving you data on every single person on google or or every single site that google analytics is on you know what i mean you know facebook they'll uh you know you, you get page analytics whatever they're not going to give you data on your competitors, but Facebook has it. Facebook has that data. Facebook has data on all your competitors and you and every other sector and everyone who has a Facebook pixel on their site. So they use that data in aggregation. And that's how they like the sample size is ginormous, which is how they're able to deliver things so perfectly because they have, you know, tons and tons of users at their disposal constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So there's power and scale. There really is. I, I think, well, the word power, actually, I wanted to elaborate upon that is because I think data is power now. 
you know, the more data you have on consumers, you know, these, these companies, obviously you guys, obviously, cause you collect a lot of data too. You know, I think data is power, but it can be power from a decision-making standpoint. Only if you know, this is where I think data analysts specifically are, are going to be on the uprise. Honestly, mm-hmm. anyone that can basically take uh, huge amounts of data from sources and being able to distill them and flush them and clean them to understand emerging trends and patterns. Obviously, that's what you know Facebook has done for quite a while. In fact, they probably have a plethora of data analysts that just do that. They oh, just look at sure. huge chunks of data, you know, to determine what consumers are doing. And um, we talked about this, but you know, Facebook kind of you know boasts this. You know, we have two, over two billion users and this and that, and most people don't know that half of those users are fake. Yeah, you know, yeah, you and, mentioned that beforehand. Yeah, yeah, you know, only you know half of those are fake. So now you have a social network that has a little over a billion users. So it makes you wonder, like, what else are they doing if they're lying about their customer base? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Sorry, I'm just plugging my laptop yeah. back in. <laughs> so, um, you know, this this was a really great discussion. I mean, there, you mentioned so much about privacy, and we could probably go on and on about this because I'm sure there's so much more, you know, to talk about, but, you know, in closing, let's, let's tell everybody, you know, how can they find you? How can, can how they connect with you with login hood, if they want to uh, find out more about controlling their, their own privacy and just privacy rules, privacy information, you know, throw out some handles, some websites, how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. And like you, like you said, we could do this for hours probably, right? We could just rip about this stuff all day and all night. Um, but, but in the interest of, of keeping it shorter, I guess, yeah, if any of your listeners want to learn more either from the marketing side about how privacy might impact uh, you know, the future of their business or in the consumers listening who want to know how to better manage their data, we, we produce a lot of educational documents uh, at Loginhood. It's L-O-G-I-N-H-O-O-D dot I-O. Uh, I yep. encourage people to go check it out. And if they want to reach out to me personally, they can do so on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dean Shaps. We also have a Loginhood Twitter, if you find that as well. Uh, me or my team you know, is usually messaging people via that as well. Uh, and then they can find me on LinkedIn, Dean Shapiro. Um, and yeah, more than happy to always explain some of these things that are happening under the hood, both from these privacy laws and how data collection works across the internet. Awesome. And thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time. Excellent conversation, man. Great chatting.